And so um, as we've been talking about all of these things, it, it really had set on my heart that one of the most important things for us is to just begin to unpack the question of what does it look like to be a people who are familiarizing ourselves with the voice of the Lord. And, and, and part of that meaning, Lord, you're speaking, what does it look like for us to get away with you, to quiet the noise and to develop a deep and meaningful devotional life with the Lord, where we have uh, that opportunity to receive from him, connect with him, know, familiarize ourselves with his heart and his voice, and then to, so that we might be able to function in all that God has called us to do and to be. And so I thought, listen, I know the, the, I know the king of, of what it means to sit and be with the Lord. And, and there is no better person to learn from in this area of faithfully sitting and being with the Lord than Papa Don Finto. So I wanted to bring him here and just to have a conversation with one of the things that we love to do here, just in terms of how we do ministry. We love to have conversations with those that have been in the kingdom who are functioning in the things that God's called us to, and that's Papa Don. And so would you guys help me well, welcome Don Finto up here. But I know the king. Yeah, amen, huh? I know the real king. Yeah, and the, and just the king Jesus. Amen. Um, I'd say one of the great leaders uh, in, in my life. So I've, just, uh, just a quick backstory on Papa Don. He is, uh, a fa- of course, pastored at Belmont Church for 25-ish, 25 years uh, God saw God do amazing things uh, there, really, truly revival breaking out, people being saved and baptized and filled with the Spirit. And then after uh, his time at Belmont, uh, uh, started Caleb Company, which is now Caleb Global, which is a ministry calling Jewish people to know their Messiah, Jesus. And, um, and, and then, of course, from that, all the nations of the earth. And so a really important ministry. you got a group in Egypt right now and another group in Turkey. Right, so they're in Egypt and Turkey. So they're all over, working all over the Middle East and, of course, in the nations. And so, uh, so he's been a really important figure um, in my life and, of course, an important figure in this church and, uh, and then, of course, been just uh, an important figure in our city. So I wanted to just sit down with him and just talk to him about his experience. 91 years old, 91, right? 91 years old. And so a lot of time. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I want to say this, I, and I don't even know. What happens like, to you when you hang around a while? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I've known a few ninety-one-year-olds, but Don Finto's like running circles, man. He's like making it happen, and I love it. And and want to be able to just live. I just got back from Iraq about a month ago. That's right. Right. You were in northern Iraq, right? And and Egypt. And Egypt. And Egypt. So he's just rocking and rolling, man, and making it happen, ministering to the nations, continuing to do that. So. I wanted to, to dive in with him and just ask a few questions about building out a devotional life with the Lord. And it, it, when it comes to hearing God's voice, I think learning that rhythm of being with him is so important. So I, I, one of the questions I wanted to ask was, what have been the, some of the most meaningful things that you have done personally to just cultivate that nearness and intimacy with God? Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm glad he gave me these questions ahead of time so I could ponder them a little bit. But um, and and I just think all over the place. But uh, but the, the first place, cultivate. You've got to have aloneness time. 
There has to be, you have to find a place to be alone. I, I, and I was remembering the mother of Charles and, and John Wesley. I think they had, she had 11 children. And when she threw her apron over her head, the children all know she's with the mom. Don't, she's with the Lord. Don't bother her. And she had to have an alone this time, even with 11 kids, you know. And, and seriously, if you have to get up in the middle of the night, if you have to go to the bathroom, lock the door, if you, uh, you know, you've got to have alone this time because you, you've got to be able to honestly to talk with the Lord. And, and then another thing that I, I mean, here's just some of the things that I thought about. I mean, just, and also, you know, crazy thing to even say, but be, be radically honest in your aloneness time. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had, but I, I, I don't remember when it was now, but I remember one day starting not to talk to the Lord about something, and all of a sudden I thought, well, that's stupid. He already knows it anyway. I might as well talk to him about it. And, and, and he knows things about me that I don't even know. Let me tell you, let me tell you, by the way, a funny story. I was walking to Walmart or something one day, and some lady came over to me and said, do you know Don Finto? <laughs> and then I sort of was stuttering, and she said, you look just like him. <laughs> and I said, well, actually, I do know him. Not as well as I'd like to. <laughs> and then I said, I am Don Pinto. But that's the truth. I, I know Don Pinto, but I don't know him as well as Don. God knows him. And I, and I want to know him better. And then, and then I, <laughs> I mean, here's some of the, I mean, I, I've done stuff that I never, never intended to talk to anybody about just because I'm, I was just pushing in. I mean, if this would help, I'll do this. And, and, uh, and, and I, when I was still teaching at Lipscomb, I remember we didn't have bucket seats in those days, and I was driving over to teach my 8 o'clock Bible class, and I pushed all my books and everything way up the side and said, Lord, scoot over and put your arm around me. I mean, I just need you close to me. Because I can remember, see, I, I wasn't well-fathered. My father, I didn't know till, till I was grown. He left before I knew him. And, uh, and, and I was so father hungry that I can remember sitting in church and if a man that I really liked put his, one of my uncles up and put his arm around me, I can still feel the touch of that. I mean, because I was a hyperactive child, but I would freeze if some man had his arm around me touching me because I was afraid if I wiggled, he would move it. And, and that's, I mean, it's just, I mean, tap back into things like that in your own life. And then, uh, I've, or I've, I remember one day going in, when the, we still had wall phones, and going in and putting my finger on so I didn't get a vowel tone so I could talk to the Lord. I just, doing things are going into a room and pull up an empty chair, what looked like an empty chair, to talk to him, or stuff like that. And, and then, I mean, I would go on retreats, you know, just three-day retreat out to a state park or something. And there's one time, and I do this stuff that, hey, it was done biblically. If, if that'll help. And I'm, I'm not asking you to do what I did, but just be creative. But there was one time I was going out for a retreat, and I, I remember that thing about sackcloth and ashes. And so <laughs> I sneaked some ashes out of the fireplace. And... <laughs> And went by and went to a cloth store and bought some burlap. And, and, and for three days, I kept ashes on me and had burlap next to my skin. I thought, if that'll help, I'll do that. 
You know? <laughs> and I remember another time, I don't even remember what was going on then, that I went out in my backyard and threw dust on my head. I thought, well, if that'll help, I'll do that. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do it in order to tell anybody. I just do junk. I mean, it's crazy stuff in order to, I want to draw close to you, Lord. And then, <laughs> I remember one time I was going to the money lunch and I was walking along, and if you'd been behind me, my hand would have been like this, because I need to hold hands with the Lord going. <laughs> just, I mean, just crazy stuff. Use posture. You know, if you, if you don't kneel much, kneel. You know, if you are flattened down on the floor, do anything that it takes in order to feel that you're being reverent toward the Lord. And, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually love uh, I love the idea of posturing ourselves, yeah. even if it you know uh, even that picture of like having Jesus yeah. s- sitting in a chair across from you, because uh, it I think oh, more than anything it, it, it to me it's expressing that desire God I want to be with you and I just know throughout the Word of God when you when we express that kind of hunger to the Lord He just meets us in that place, and so I I, I absolutely love that um, well and, about and, that and one of the things that. And the night that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I didn't have any, I didn't speak in tongues, I didn't anything, but it was a faith baptism of the Holy Spirit, and God began to change things. But the night I did that, uh, there was a passage of Scripture that really came alive to me. It's John eight forty seven, that he who belongs to, the, let me see, those who belong to the Lord hear what God's saying, something like that. Those who belong to the Lord hear what God's saying. And I thought, well... I guess I've been hearing from him because I belong to him and I didn't know I was hearing from him. And so I may have even said this out here at some point. If you belong to the Lord, you hear from God. And you might say to me, well, I don't. And I would say to you, yes, you do. And you might say to me, who are you to tell me what what I can and can't do? Well, because I believe the word of God more than I do you. And if you belong to God, you're hearing what God says. But what I realized was, that there was things that God would put in my head and I was giving myself credit for it because I didn't know he talked. I mean, because usually he doesn't talk through these ears. He talks with promptings and, and things like that. And so I would, I would hear from him. So from that day on, I, I realized if I hear something that's unequivocally good and couldn't possibly be wrong, then... Uh, if you'll give me the energy, I'll do it, no matter what, because that's God. If I hear, but I mean, it's another thing which helps, helps us too. If I hear something that's unequivocally evil and couldn't possibly be right, then I realize, aha, the enemy threw that in my head and then accused me of it. And so I said, get back to hell where you belong. That's not mine. And you know what? That really, really helped me to clean up my thoughts. Yeah. I just don't have any of the kinds of junk that I had years ago because I just tell them to go back to hell. That's not mine. I don't accept that. So, so anyway, that's the, that's the kind of thing. That's it. It's good. You know you're having a good Q&A when you're telling everybody to say, go to hell. Get your thoughts back to go to hell. All right. That's, that's good time with Jesus, right? Come on. Get that bad stuff out of here. All right. Uh, so we have been unpacking in this series... Um, the, the idea of hearing God's voice, that we've, been, that we've been going through that and gotten to go through all of the, the word of God and then, and then how he speaks to their impression, right? Yeah. So we, we have talk about the role, and I think you have a little bit, but the role 
of and how vital that personal time with the Lord is to receiving and hearing and being uh, uh, familiar with the voice of the Lord. Well, I, I'm just I'm thinking, by the way, of a a young man that I knew years ago. I mean, years ago, back and when I was first moving to ministry, I was probably in my 20s, and he was like 10 or something. He would sit on the front row with me at a, at a church, and then. Later, he went to college and he got, he got to breaking into things and stealing things and spent time in jail. And I was shocked because I'd seen this, I'd, I'd seen who he was in his youth. And when I got to talk to him, when Martha and I returned from Germany and I got to talk to him after he got out of jail, I said, how'd that happen? How'd you go from here to here? He said, I, 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 I stayed busy all the time. I never, I never allowed myself time to think because I knew if I had time to think, I couldn't do all this stuff. And so I just always had people, had always had things around me. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if we, we've got to have that, that aloneness time. It's absolutely essential to find, to, to have time where you're listening to the Lord. And, 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 that creative voice, I, 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 I made a note to myself to remind myself of, there was one time that uh, I was in the house by myself and I had the worship music cranked up high and I was just enjoying the Lord and all that kind of thing. And then when I, and I was just so engulfed with, pre, with the Lord's presence and so grateful for him. And of course, I'd learned Romans 3 that I'm forgiven and I'm righteous and Romans 8, that I have a destiny to be like him and all that kind of stuff. And so I said to the Lord, oh, I'm just, I, I'm, I just sense your, your love, your presence. If, if there's something that you've been waiting until you thought I couldn't handle it and you really need to correct me in some way, and I just think I feel so loved by you now that I can handle it. If there's anything you want to say to me. And he said, I love you, Don. That's the last thing. I know it was God, because I know it wasn't the enemy, and I didn't think of it, so it had to be God. And so I was, I was blown away. And I, I mean, I just, I was blown away. And then when I got to a place where I could talk, I said, whoa, Lord, I didn't know I needed that so much, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, now I think I can handle it. So, and I couldn't get him to say anything to me that day except I love you. And uh, in, anyway, it, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for us. Yeah. yeah that's good. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into some of the nitty gritty, so to speak, of what has your personal time looked like? And not that your personal time would necessarily look like anyone else's, but I would just love to hear, you know, what does it look like? for that alone time interacting with the Lord? And has it changed over the years? You know, meaning, did you do anything early on that maybe wasn't super helpful and, and you've shifted over time mm -hmm. in terms of just how you relate to the Lord in that alone time? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure for me it has changed over the years, but, uh, and, and I was trying to think back. I know, I mean, just like years ago, I'd, I'd get away or go for walks or, or things like that in order just to walk with the Lord. I've walked, I mean, the Lord and I've had some really good times at Radnor Lake. 
and up on Kenya Ridge, because you get up there and usually there's nothing but a fox up there. And so it's really, you know, it's just a sweet time. And, and so I'm sure that's best. But lately, now, I mean, of course, I'm, a, I'm alone a lot in an apartment right now. And I'm at a different stage in life. And I really feel cheated. I mean, I just, I, I almost have to have, for me right now, I have to have about an hour before I get started in my day, you know. I mean, I'm talking about an hour. That's not breakfast time. That's really an hour in the Word and talking to the Lord. And, and, and I journal now. I'm not a, I've never been a good journaler, but uh, there, was a t- there was a time not all that long ago where I, where I, would, I wanted to be sure that I read the Bible until, I mean, and read enough of it until I found a miracle, you know, and then I would pull that miracle in today because he does the same thing. And then, more lately, I want to be sure that I pull together, uh, that, that I have some thought that I go through the day with, you know, and that just sort of surrounds me through the day. And an interesting thing is, and let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, I happen to be, you know, I mean, many of you will know that the governor is like one of my kids. I mean, you know, he, I've walked with him for years since he was in college, and so I'm with him every once in a while. And, and, and the, the thing that, that I was walking through the day with that day was that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whichever way he will. And there was another passage like that. I can't remember what it was now. But I happened to be with the governor that day, and we, we had a few, just a few moments to share. And of course, you know, I so trust this man. I mean, I don't mean that he does everything perfectly. Who does? But I trust his heart. And I was just able just to pray for him that word of just seeing the king's heart, but really the governor's heart is also in the hands of the Lord and God turns it however he wishes. And I said, so when you make a decision, don't double guess, don't second guess yourself, let it lie there. Anyway, he and Maria looked at each other and grinned because obviously they'd been talking about something like that. But I'm just saying, when you have something in your heart and then, I mean, God will open a door for, for whatever that is. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I love that idea of even just th- that anchoring yourself in something that you took from that time. So yeah. a word for the day, or a thought for the day, yeah. or just something yeah. to have to be able to kind of meditate on even throughout yeah. the day. Yeah, let me let me let me go after at that again. At another thing though, another thing that I do now, and I don't. I mean, I would love for everybody to do this, but I know different people are. I mean, you know. But, but let me tell you, you can have a piece of what I have there at least. I, I, I download scripture to my personal hard drive. You could call it memorization, but I call it downloading it to my hard drive. <laughs> and, and so that I don't have to have a Bible with me, that I can just go through all kinds of things. And last year it was more Psalm 91, you know. He that dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, 
my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence, all that kind of thing, you know. And, and this year it's more in Psalm 92. It's good to, bless, to praise the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning, your faithfulness in the night with the music of the ten-string lute, with the melody of the harp, and so forth. But on down in there it says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like cedars of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of the Lord. They'll still produce fruit in old age. They'll remain fresh and green, proclaiming that the righteous will. And anyway, that one. But there's one that I keep in me all the time, and it's because, it, because I like the tail end of it. It's Psalm 138. Let me see if I can pull it up. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I'll bow down toward your holy temple and praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you've exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord. May they sing of the ways of the Lord for the greatness of the the, the, the greatness of the Lord is good. Though the Lord is on high, he lowers himself to the humble, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, the Lord preserves my life. And with his right hand, he holds me. Or something. But then, then this, is the, this is the place that the Lord, the tells in there, but it says, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. I just love that. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me, or the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. But anyway, just even if it's just one verse of Scripture, download some Scripture inside of you so you don't have to have a Bible around and just chew on it. Promises. This, is, this book is filled with promises. So good. Live in them. Yeah. Memorize them. Speak them to yourself. And, and, and don't budge off of them. Yeah. Okay. It's good. I'm ready to take a mountain. Right? I don't know, man. I'm like, you know, I mean, when it, but when the word of God comes forward like that, when it's inside of you, man, that's it's just so powerful. Okay, um, so let, we got dads, moms, and families, and we're fine. This is actually not on script here, but I, yeah. you, it, it, for those that may find themselves just wrestling with time, or even maybe for a, like a new believer, you're going an hour with the Lord. I don't even know how I could do that. What would be your encouragement to someone just trying to start a devotional life? Maybe one or two uh, points of just like, how do I get started in actually relating to the Lord in a personal way? Yeah, I mean, for somebody that's just starting, like starting to read the Bible or something like that, I'd really encourage, probably the place I would point them to would be the Gospel of John. Yeah. To start with. Uh, just because, and and... and I would say to them, don't get in a hurry. It's good. Slow down. You don't even have to read a chapter a day. You may get stuck on one verse, and that's what you need for that day. It's good. And, and then, for those who have been walking a while, I would, I, I would really encourage, I mean, many of you in the room know that, that I have, that I read the Bible in five different places. Uh, not every day. But I keep reading in five different places. I read the, I separate the historical books that would be from Genesis to Esther. And then the poetic books, Job through Song of Solomon. And then the, the uh, prophets, Isaiah through Malachi. And then Matthew through Acts. 
and Romans through Revelation. And because, you know, I had all kinds of reading plans that I tried. And I mean, there was a read through the Bible of the year and I'd get behind and get disgusted with myself. <laughs> and in fact, I was preaching through it at Belmont. Two years we had preaching through the Bible and I would take a text out of it every week, but I didn't tell them till years later that I didn't always finish it every week. <laughs> but the way I, but the Bible reading plan that I have, I don't ever get behind and I don't ever get ahead. Because if I just get real carried away and read all 66 chapters of Isaiah in one day, I'm not ahead. I just happen to have read all 66 chapters of Isaiah. But if I don't get back to reading for three days, I don't like it that way, but come on, let's face facts. And then I'm not behind. I just pick up where I left off. And the only way you do it is if you, I mean, it would be an easy thing to do, is get a, preferably a pencil or a pen that's really thin and, and you start in Genesis. And however far you get, just put a little mark behind you so that you can pick up there if it's next week when you get back or if it's tomorrow or if it's this afternoon. And then, you see what I'm saying? And then start with Job. Oh, I mean, I'm in Job right now and I don't enjoy Job. <laughs> so I'm probably gonna speed read some of it. Because <laughs> besides the Lord, the Lord tells all those guys they didn't say the right thing anyway. And so I, you know, I love the last part. <laughs> And, uh, but anyway, just put a little mark behind that when you get through. And then slow down, particularly when you get to the Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Hey, you can figure that one out. But <laughs> remember that it's Ecclesiastes is talking about under the sun. You <laughs> know what happens down here. But anyway, you see what I'm saying. So good. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, I want to talk about for lack of a better term, dry times. So when you, you follow the Lord enough um, or for long enough, you, maybe it seems like you can go through seasons where things feel, quote unquote, dry. Or, or maybe it feels like you're going through the motions and you don't always have a lot of feeling or you know, emotion attached to a devotional time. Just what would you say to someone that's maybe in, struggling in that place um, to understand how you navigate through a dry time. Well, the thing that I'm stirred and grinning at, grinning at is um, uh, the first one is wasn't necessarily a grin, but um, but I, there were several years ago that I woke up every morning oppressed. Now you might call it depressed, but I wasn't going to honor it by calling it depression because I don't get depressed. But I was oppressed. And I, I mean, every morning, I would just have to fight to function. And I was functioning, but it, but it was hard. I mean, what's going on? And I did everything I knew to do. I worshiped, I quoted scripture, I read scripture, I sang, I, you know, I confessed, and I even sought out a couple that did deliverance and went over to their house and said, probe me, see if there's some place where the enemies got into me. Something's happened to me. I'm, this, is, I'm, this is hard. And they, they didn't find anything. And so one, one morning about two o'clock, I woke up and it was gone. And I knew it was gone. And so the only thing I could figure out was that I was going through a testing time and I just had to endure it. So I would, I, I mean, there may be somebody who's having something like that. And 
there are times that are just dry and we can do everything possible and the enemy's after us, but we just, we just keep hanging on. We know who God is. I mean, after all, he's the, he's the resurrected king and so we're never gonna turn our backs on him. So that was, that was one thing. And then I'll tell you another, this was the reason I was grinning. And back in December, I preached a sermon uh, at Belmont on uh, the guaranteed path to joy, peace, and optimism. And it's very simple. It was a very simple message. My daughter Donna's with me. She'll, she'll remember it well. But anyway, or she'll remember it. I don't know if well or not. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was a very simple message. Obey the commandments. Stand firm on the promises. And be persistent. That's good. And believe the word. Everything works for good. And so I'm an eternal optimist. You've heard me say that. And I intend to say it that way. Well, I got diagnosed with COVID the next day. <laughs> I did okay through the COVID thing, but then I got the thing called brain fog. Oh, yeah. And I was, I was miserable. Thank God I, my doctor finally told me that, that it really was a brain fog. It wasn't just anybody. I was neither joyful nor peaceful nor optimistic. And I... And, and, <laughs> So there are just, just times when things happen that you just have to plod through. It's not, you're not as naturally joyful. But we trust God, and you just keep confessing what he says about us. So, yeah, I don't know if that helps uh, No, it's, I think it's so good because I think uh, there's a tendency to think that, um, that we'll always have what we think, tend to think of as the positive emotions, but there are seasons and the, even a part of our faith journey is learning how to navigate by faith through that. And we're, sometimes we're reading by faith or praying by faith, even though the feeling is not necessarily there. And sometimes I think what you're trying to get at is sometimes those seasons are ordained of the Lord for us to be strengthened mm -hmm. and to, to be tested and sifted in many ways. And so, so, so the answer is then don't give up. Keep, right. keep pressing through well, to trust the Lord. And you know, and I, I told you, I mean, the first one is obey the, obey the commandments. And and uh, let me give you a couple of examples of, of what I mean by that. I mean, again, I just encourage you to be different. Jump out, don't let any, God doesn't ever stay in a box, so don't you get in one. You know, just jump out of every box that you try to put yourself into anyway. But one day, I was, uh, I was over in my office back when I had one over at Belmont, and right over next door was another office, one of our offices, and over the next door, the family lived. And I was by myself, and I was, I was worshiping and listening and reading, and I happened to have read Psalm 47, verse 1, that says, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. And the Lord said, don't just read it, do it. Okay, obey the command. So clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I didn't have any problem clapping my hands just as loud as I could clap. But shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I had the hardest time because I thought the, the people next door are going to hear me and they'll take me to the funny farm. <laughs> <laughs> but I just kept going until I shouted to the top of my voice. But I just, you see what I'm saying? It's just, it's just it's doing this stuff. Come on. And then here's another one for you. The scripture says, don't be anxious. That's not a suggestion. 
It's a command. Well, well, I'm just anxious. Well, then confess it as sin. Instead of just saying, well, I'm just anxious. Well, then get over it. Now, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm just saying it's a command. And so look at, listen to God's word, and I guarantee you, you will learn to walk in it. That's good. <laughs> awesome. Um, so uh, you've mentioned this earlier, but I want to just come back to this. For those that feel like I don't feel like I can hear God's voice and I feel like my prayers don't reach heaven and I feel some measure of distance, just what would your encouragement be uh, to someone who's praying but doesn't feel like they can hear God's voice or struggle to believe that they can hear God's voice or are hearing his voice? Uh, well, the first thing that I would say is tell the Lord about it. I mean, don't, don't try to hide something like that from him. Just let him know that you don't feel like you're hearing his voice. And that would be the first thing. Um, another thing I would say is, I mean, here, here's another thing, by the way. We all need to have people that we're close enough to that we tell them what we're walking through so they can pray for us. We're fellow priests to each other. No, not a single one of us ever needs to be a loner. Loners are not ever going to be soaring in the Lord. So who do you confess sins to? See, I think there are, I think there are some things that we are never going to conquer until we confess them to another priest and they speak, they speak forgiveness, but they also speak healing to us. Confess your sins, James 5, 16. Confess your sins one to another, that's a command. And pray one for another that you may be healed. And so, I mean, I, I mean for example, I can, I, I don't, I, I question that men are going to, I mean, and women, uh, will ever get over addictions to pornography without bringing it to light and confessing it to somebody and having them pray with you. Are there are other, other kinds of sins like that too. And, if, and 1 John 1, I think it's 7, says if we can, says we confess our sins, we, that he purifies us. But it also says if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. If we don't confess, our, if we're not walking honestly with each other, we don't have genuine fellowship with each other. And so that would be, that would be one of the things that I would say. Yeah. That's good. Um, so I think that uh, for those especially who've maybe grown up in church, that sometimes there's a tendency to feel shame or guilt because you don't spend enough time with God or, you know, you've, it's been a month and I haven't really spent time with the Lord. And, and so, I, you know, this, this thing kind of continues to build where I feel shame because I've, I know that maybe this is a discipline that is important to me, but I haven't been doing it. I feel shame. And so I don't feel like I can go to the Lord. Would you just speak to kind of the shame cycle that often keeps us away from engaging the Lord? Well, it's... I, I, please, everybody in the room, please get the real gospel message inside of you. Yeah. And the real gospel message is that when you are his, your sins are continually forgiven. So move in a place of having been forgiven. I mean, I, that's why I go back repeatedly to Romans 3 four and five and so forth, but 
Romans 3, Paul just hammers it in that nobody's righteous, and we all know that. We all know that. And, but then he says, God, basically, I'll put in my words, God had to figure out a different way to make us righteous because we're never going to make it. And so if we believe in him, he gives us his righteousness. Romans 5.17 talks about the gift of righteousness. And I love Romans 4.5 because it says God justifies the wicked. So I can't get any worse than that. And so he justifies me. So there's no sin ever, none, zero, that cannot be forgiven in the Lord. And, and so I, I would just say the realization that we're still walking in forgiveness. I mean, and, and I would even, even Romans 4, 7, 8, just go through those first chapters of Romans if you're having difficulty. Because, but Romans 4, 7, 8 talks about the person whose sin is not counted against him. Now that's, you know, I've told you before, I'm sure, because that's a biggie in my life, that when I read that, I didn't believe it. I know it's in the Bible, but I didn't believe it. So I, I turned to every translation I could find because I figured it was a mistranslation, but it's not. I mean, so if you haven't read the Bible in, in, three, in, in, in three weeks, you're not saved because you're reading the Bible. You're saved because you believe in Jesus. But you read the Bible because he's forgiven you and you want to know more and you want to grow more in him. It's good. And so, and, and so when you find out that your sins are not forgiven, I know, I mean, it's so funny because when you find out, well, my sins are not even forgiven, then you think, well, well then what's the big deal about sin? I mean, why can't you just go ahead and sin if it's not forgiven? And Paul said, I knew you were going to think that way. And so in Romans 6, he says, shall we continue in sin that just grace be abound? God forbid, don't you know you died to sin? So you don't want to. So I, that's probably the only thing I would say on that. That's yeah. good. Just believing the truth of God's word coming into his presence. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to ask our team to come up. We're going to, but I do want to finish. Just if, do you have any final encouragement? Just if you're looking at a group of people who are just wanting to grow nearer to the Lord and, and well, grow in that intimacy with him, what yeah. would you say to them? I'd, well, one of the things that I, that I wrote to myself here is, and that I, I do, I mean, I really... I do a good job, I think, in the morning of going through my, you know, just inviting him into going over the day with him. I'm not doing as good a job in the evening, but just go through the day with him. What, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? You know? And because the Lord said to me one time, well, you're always talking to me about things you do wrong. I want you to talk to me about some of the things you do right. And I said, well, Lord, wouldn't that be pride? He said, well, it would be if you did it. <laughs> but in other words, you're not, you're not really doing it. And, and so there's that. But then, I mean, here's, the, here's, the thing I would, here's the thing I'd leave you with. Come on, guys, gals. Write your vision statement of who you are in the Lord. Okay. Come on. Start it before sundown tonight if you don't have one. Get a vision statement of what God says about you. And keep speaking it to yourself because it helps you, it helps, it helps you know who you are. And I'll, and, 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 and I, I probably have done it before, but I'll do it. Here's mine. 
and it's based on Scripture, and I almost choke on some of it. But I'm just speaking what Scripture says about me. I believe the Word of God more than I believe my own emotions or feelings. And therefore, I boldly declare that I'm becoming more like Jesus every day. I'm righteous in His sight, and so I have a secure future. I don't dwell on the past, but I embrace everything God is doing in this generation and whatever my role is in it. And I'm a man after God like David. So, like David, I'll not depart from this life until God has accomplished His purpose for me in this generation. And I live in constant expectation and confidence that the kingdom of God is advancing all over the world and that Jewish people are coming to faith every single day. And I can say stuff like this because Jesus not only has all authority in heaven, He has all authority on earth. Yeah. And I'm one of His kids. And at this point in my life, the primary goal of my life, the primary call of God in my life is to be a father to my children, my family, extended family and others, and a prophetic apostolic voice to the people of God, challenging them, I almost choke on this too, challenging them through who I am, what I say, write and do, to be radically sold out to Jesus all the days of their lives, and to embrace whatever the call of God is on your life, at this point in your life, through the help and power of the Holy Spirit. That's who I am. <laughs> Come on, that's good.